The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm going to talk tonight about faith. And just saying that, it's nice to see smiles. It just made me kind of like bow to my own practice for a minute. <clears throat> because it's such an interesting thing giving a Dharma talk. Like a lot of the time people are really serious in the audience. Often they're not smiling. Like I know this when I sit out there, sometimes my eyes are closed. Or I'm just listening, taking it all in. And this up here, the mind makes all kinds of projections, right? So there has to be some like deep faith to be able to watch all that come and go and not take it too personally and just really kind of tap into the, the depth of practice and, um, and what wants to be shared from that place. And I've been reflecting on that a lot these days as I have been teaching more, sharing my practice more and more here at Common Ground and other places too. And really seeing like the connection between suffering and faith, that suffering seems to be, it seems to be necessary to touch some kind of pain in order for faith to like make itself known, right? Just like in that moment <coughs> of like insecurity, like feeling the truth of that. And then, you know, faith then kind of naturally arises next. Like, well, if this is here and can be watched, then what is there to rely on? Oh, yeah. There's more. And this topic is important for me in many, many ways. Um, sort of a deviation from, or is that the right word? Moving away from uh, what we have been talking about, uh, emptiness, when Mark was around. I've been talking about emptiness for quite a while. But I thought, you know, I really wanted to speak about faith because it's been up for me lately. And I thought I might have something to share about it. And also because it's been up for me in so many ways, not just as I start teaching more, but just as I navigate um, my life at home with my friends and family, but also in my profession as a social worker, and really feeling like I want to be an agent for change and transformation. I want my life to, I want the efforts that I make in my life professionally to have some good benefits in the world. And just seeing like all the ways in which I really don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I really don't know what to do. I don't know what the next right move is. And just like having to surrender to the pain of confusion so often or the pain of ignorance so often or the pain of impossible choices so often or the pain of and choices that don't make the impact that I want them to make so often. And just how like oh, faith in moments has arisen again and again just as a way of being able to hold all of that. Like without faith in the capacity of human beings to do the right thing because it is the right thing or to 
awaken and be influenced by others who have something to share and have some impact, right, back and forth, like that's reliable. And it's deeper than just this kind of um, what seems to be maybe like a a surfacey orientation that I'm presenting right now, like work, my family, home. But it actually points to the deeper truth, I think, what the Buddha was talking about when, in the teachings around faith. You know, this question of faith in what? Well, faith in the Dhamma, the truth of the way things are. And what is that? So the teachings point us to understand the truth of the way things are. And in that meditation we were doing, I was sort of, you know, walking us through some ways to work with um, the ordinary experiences of our body and our mind, emotions, body sensations, the breath, with some wisdom, right? The truth of impermanence. Everything comes and goes. Right? Every experience, even though it may seem like they stay forever, they really don't. And we can watch this when we wake up in a bad mood or we get home at 4 o'clock and it seems like we've been in a bad mood all day. Well, it's not true. Like if we were really looking, we would know that the bad mood also comes and goes, right? Or the tiredness comes and goes. Or hunger comes and goes, even if we don't eat. Like it spikes and then it decreases. It's associated with body sensations and emotions and thoughts and all kinds of stuff that's like happening and coming and going. And it's really not personal. Like this is the truth of anatta, or the impersonal nature of causes and conditions. That they arise from some force of nature. That we, it's hard to, it's hard to track it back. Like we don't really know always why things are the way that they are now, but the only thing we can say is that it's true. It's like this right now. I don't know why I sat down and felt really calm and then a few seconds later I felt anxious and then that subsided, right? And then it led rise to something else. Like I don't really understand why all of that was happening in this mind-body experience. But I can say that it was true because I, because I was intimate with it. I was there for it. So in this question of what is faith in what, it's like faith in the truth of this. So there were three things that the Buddha said were worth taking refuge in, three things that were worth having faith in. The Buddha, our goodness, our innate goodness, our own capacity to wake up, my own, your own, none of us are left out of that. Take that one in. Like, none of us are left out of that. The Dhamma, or the truth of the way things are, right? It's like this. It couldn't be any way other than this, given the natural unfolding of causes and conditions the natural unfolding of life as it is, and the Sangha, which is the beautiful qualities of heart and mind that can be known in each other. 
like the truth of the way things are here, this what's worth uh, having faith in, the Buddha, this the capacity of this heart mind to awaken, and Sangha, the capacity of your heart and mind to awaken. Translated faith actually means something like to place the heart upon. There's an old Hasidic story that is something like, um, how does it go? You place the teachings upon the heart, so when the heart breaks, the teachings fall in. Right? Any of you who are Jewish in the room know that, probably can say that better than me. But that sounds about right, right? That connection to that faith in the teachings sort of arise out of our own pain in moments. The pain of our own internal experience and also the pain of like how this heart and mind relates to external experience. When I told some friends that I was going to give a talk on faith, I was here a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, Rob, I'm going to talk about faith. What should I say? <laughs> and he said, he said, he told me a couple of stories, but one of the things he said is that faith is charged for a lot of people, right? And so that was, that was really good. That was one of the points I want, I want, well, it made me reflect on some of the points I wanted to make tonight. And one of them is, um, that faith is actually can be translated as confidence. So it's not a blind faith in something, but in the Buddhist teachings, it's actually a, a something that can be verified through our own experience. So the Buddha was really pragmatic. He had he always, you know, encouraged us to go check things out. Ihi pasako means go and see for yourself, or it can also be translated you too come and see, which I actually like, because it points us to, like, it's for you and me, right? You come and check this out. Liberation is for you. So check it out and see. So confidence. Can also be, faith can also be translated as con- conviction. It's a mental quality. And then I asked my friend Portia, and she also told me a couple of stories. I asked her the same question. I'm going to give a talk about faith. What should I say about faith? And she also pointed me in the direction of like some real wisdom from the Buddha. One of the very important things she said is that faith is a lived experience, right? So it's this experiential, the experiential nature of what it means to do Dharma practice. And this is something we've been getting to know in our exploration of emptiness over the past few months. Is that emptiness, the teaching of emptiness, calls us to understand um, how our senses take in the world and then our mind sort of makes sense of it, creates a story out of it. But actually the truth of our experience is just what comes in through our senses and through our mind. It's not as personal as it seems. That's the, I mean, my teachers heard me say this, that's the teaching of emptiness. In 10 seconds, they would probably go, ooh, 
Maybe not, sweetie. But it's something like that, right? We have through the ear door or through the, you know, the ears, sound is known. Through the eyes, sights are known. Through the body, sensations are felt. And through the mind, thoughts and emotions are known. It, and it seems like we've probably had this story where, you know, or this experience where we're remembering something that's really painful or um, really profound, and it feels like we were there, right? Like, that was me. But it was actually just a thought about an experience, another time, a memory in the past. It's kind of a trip to think about it like that. If the mind thinks, body senses, the ears hear, the mouth tastes, five senses do their thing, the mind does its thing, and this is what our experience can be summed up as. Like just that. So faith is a lived experience. It's an experience that that's that we can feel through our five senses and the mental activity of the mind. We can actually feel the mental qualities. Another thing that she told me was that she said we need each other for faith to blossom. It's like, yeah, right? That's the third refuge, the refuge of Sangha. That it's really hard to wake up on our, in our, on our own. That we often spin in our own stories and they're often not, they're often based in delusion. And I can see this um, in my experience what it means to wake up as a, a white person in the world, that I can only do so much to understand what it means to, to be white. But, but I need other people to reflect their, their experiences to me, and then I have a better understanding of what that means. Like, oh, I get it now. There's a teaching, uh, liberative dependent origination. I'm not going to go through the teaching too much, but in the, it is, uh, generally, it's a set of 12 causal links, and one thing gives rise to another. Right? This is, this gives rise to that. When we fill the room with bodies, the temperature increases, something like that. So in the 12 link dependent origination chain, faith, the proximate cause for faith to arise is suffering. So suffering needs to be there to sort of, um, for us to just kind of what I was describing, like when we feel that, then we have to find what, find our resolve in that moment. And we can, if any of you have been in 12-step programs, there's often this is really true. Like before we take that next step to do something big for ourselves, like get sober, then we have to feel the pain of our life kind of becoming unmanageable, right? And this is true for all kinds of stuff, for mental health treatment or anything else that we want to do. Understanding what it means to be white, 
Like I have to really feel the pain of our world not working out so that I want to do something about that, right? Faith arises from that. And it should also be said that the stronger the faith, the greater the resolve to do the work. But sometimes we come with a little bit of faith, like a little bit of faith or confidence led us here tonight. And if there's some benefit, then we might want to come back another night, right? Or we might actually practice tomorrow or do some reading or study or talk to a friend and ask what their experiences are. So where do the teachings on faith show up in the in Buddhist study? Show faith shows up in the the chain of the dependent origination chain. It also shows up in the five spiritual faculties, which I think I've spoke about before. The five spiritual faculties are like the energizing mechanism that keeps practice going along. So and they it begins with faith, like a little bit of confidence. That's something that there might be some benefit. It doesn't have to be a lot, just a little, right? And that encourages some effort to expend some energy to see what happens, to get in the car, to come to common ground, for example. And then with that energy, like just the energy to sit down and close your eyes and to try to try to notice something, then mindful awareness kicks in. So then there's like a there's some noticing, right? I'm going to sit down have a little faith that this might work, sit down on my cushion, apply a little bit of effort, notice something. When something is noticed, it makes it easier to notice again. The mind starts to create a habit of noticing. Awareness gets stronger, and as awareness gets stronger, the mind becomes more stable. It can stable and able to be here, to be present in our lives. So that is we might call concentration or stability of mind. And as we become more able to be present in our lives, and more and more things are known. We, we really see the way things work better. We see when things work well, we see when things don't work well, and when things don't work well, we want to change them, and when things do work well, we want to keep doing more of them, right? We start to see the truth in our relationships, and with a lot of mindful awareness, we see the good, the bad, and the ugly in our relationships. I see this in my most intimate relationships with my God kids and my wife. And without this practice, like I really can see in moments like, oh, I don't want to say that stupid thing right now because I think it will hurt. And it causes me to pause and maybe just say nothing or take a break or say something else. But it's because mindfulness was there was enough stability of mind to actual, actually see the arising of something unskillful in order to make a different choice. So faith. And then as wisdom or understanding develops, then it just inspires more faith, right? So with a little more faith, then there's more resolve. You want to do more, right? Like, oh, this is great. I'm learning something. I'm going to come back next week. common ground and see what else I can learn 
or this is, I'm learning something. I'm going to try to go on a half-day retreat or a day-long retreat and see what happens there. What happens if the mind gets still for like four hours? And now what happens when it gets still for like 30 minutes? Right? So it just inspires more effort, more resolve, more resolve to make more effort. And in the Abhidhamma, which is a book of like Buddhist psychology that it's so dense, I could, I don't really read it that much. Mostly I hear the way my teachers understand it. And then sometimes we'll go and read like a little, like a sentence or two, but it's, uh, it's the real deal. <laughs> it's not easy to read. In the Abhidhamma, faith is one of the 52 mental qualities. And what that means is that there are only 52 things that could be happening in this mind-body process. Only 52 things, and faith is one of them. It's pretty amazing to me, but it's a, a big deal. The function or task of faith is to clarify or set forth. Sometimes that's to clarify our aspirations. Like faith clarifies our deepest aspiration sometimes. Like is my deepest aspiration to just say something that makes sense? Or is my deepest aspiration to really tap into the depth of my practice and say something to you that might be useful, right? So that was an example of kind of what happens in a moment of insecurity where there's like the mind is doing what it does, looking out, making projections about what you think of me or what I'm saying and how it might not be good or right or useful. Then it notices like, oh, that's just the mind having some thoughts in this process. It drops it all. And then this question's there, well, what's worth having faith in? Is it something shallow or is it something deeper? And it's really obvious that the faith comes from a deeper place. Faith clarifies that. Faith presents itself as non-fogginess and resolution. I think I've already said. This is interesting. Faith is one of the prerequisites for awakening which makes sense when you talk about its connection to um, effort and resolution. It would make sense that you would need faith, right, to apply some effort to then eventually arise at the the fruits of understanding and use those understandings to your life's benefit. The Buddha was very pragmatic in his approach, which really calls us to remember that this is an experiential path. That it's not enough to understand intellectually like what faith is, but we have to um, feel it in our hearts. We have to practice. We have to know what the aftertaste is. We have to feel what it feels like. We have to feel the body settling into a moment of confidence and know like, oh yeah, confidence is like this. We have to know how the heart wants to respond 
as a result of faith. Like, what does the heart, what does the mind do? What does it want to move with? How does it want to act in the world when confidence is there, when it feels strongly capable of doing something from this place? So this kind of wisdom, or uh, an intellectual understanding may be a better way, some knowledge, some information, always works hand in hand with faith. They support and supplement each other. We often put a lot of attention on intellectual understanding in Western cultures and not enough understanding. We forget to check the heart, right? And when we check the heart, we see that faith is more than intellectual understanding. It's an act of courage. It comes from, it comes directly from the heart. You've probably seen this a lot of times. If you've been doing this practice for any amount of time, even just a few minutes, maybe even just tonight, it's not a walk in the park all the time. What we awaken to is not always good news. When we get still, we see a lot of torments of mind, right? We see the things that we can distract ourselves from during our day, like fear and anger and rage even, or an intention to be really unskillful. And that's not easy to be with. So it's like it's an act of courage to meet that, to watch it come and go, and to trust that this is the way things are, to trust the teachings, that this is how it is, right? That this is rage, it's making itself known and actually passes. I don't actually have to be a victim to it. I don't have to move with it. I can just watch it and I can be careful, I can respect it, I can be careful. And so sometimes there can be this like deep resolve that's there, like, oh, I honor this so much, and I, I see the way this comes and goes, but at this time I'm going to be really careful. So I'm going to resolve not to act this out. I know that it won't help. That's like pointing to a deep faith in the teachings. This is an article about the five spiritual faculties. Edward Conzi is the author. Access to Insight has lots of interesting things on it, if you're interested. He says, faith implies a resolute and courageous act of will. It combines a steadfast resolution that one will do a thing with the self-confidence that one can do it. Suppose that people living on one side of a river are doomed to perish from many enemies, diseases, and famine. Safety lies on the other shore. The man of faith is then likened to the person who swims across the river, braving its dangers, saving himself, and inspiring others by his example. Those without faith will go on dithering along the hither bank. The opposites to this aspect of faith are timidity, fear, and a calculating mentality. 
I was I work in schools and a couple of weeks ago I was working with this young man who I've worked with for a few years now. He's in fourth grade now, so I've worked with him since he was in kindergarten. And he's great in lots of ways. And he was having a particularly hard day, pretty dysregulated, body really wild. Um, his The person who was working with him brought him into my office to for some help calming, calming down so that he can be in class. And he didn't sleep much the night before, it didn't seem like, and who knows what else was going on, but he was just pretty all over the place, it was hard to tell. But instead of doing the work directly, I just had the chance to observe these two, this adult and this young boy working together, and it was really an act of faith, what transpired, because there was this little boy that was hitting and charging and know, doing his thing, but the adult was just playing with him. So he would charge him and he'd go, oh man, you want to wrestle me? And he'd grab him and then he'd try to get out and he would go, no, you got to tuck under the arm, that's how you get out, then he'd get out and then he would like stay for a second and then he would charge him again and he would go, oh, come here, you want to hug? And he'd hug him up and, you know, this went on in different ways. He's trying to um, help him calm down. But it was like the adult, the adult really saw in the kid the capacity, right? He had a lot of faith that he could calm his body, that this was fleeting, that this emotional state, whatever it was, was, was going to eventually cease. And it eventually did. And the boy trusted the man to help him, right? Because eventually the boy settled down and he was right by his side. He asked for some juice. They processed how they were going to go about their day, and they were really connected. So it's such a beautiful moment of like faith and trust, and and how they work together. That there has to be some resolve to get through those difficult moments. And it was also really profound that this was a a black man working with a black child, and uh, it was just such a beautiful, loving interaction that it was really felt like there was a lot of resolve in my heart that um, around waking up to whiteness and understanding the ways in which whiteness interferes with this, right? This love that's really natural and flows um, unencumbered and, and in ways that aren't always noticed. What else do you want to hear? <laughs> I have a poem. How about that? <laughs> uh, one of the, well, maybe I'll say a few words before I read it. But one of my teachers, Kamala Masters, talks about faith a lot. So I could almost like create a page of notes just from things I remember her saying to me over the years. And one of the things she's always said is faith has a quality of seeking, right? It seeks the good. It recognizes and seeks the good. It goes after it. Spiritual seekers are moving in the direction of something. 
right? But it's different than craving, that word, Pali word tanha, which just means wanting or craving. It's not that. It's not that, that way. It's like a kind of a grounded energy of moving towards what is good, which also, you know, can, we can see that in the refuge of Sangha. It's like noticing faith notices the good in each other and our capacity to awaken, right? So it's like a faith that it's up to you. And it's, there's like a, a beautiful, I've been noticing this more and more, like my tendency is when people are hurting to want to comfort, right? To give a hug or approach and can I help? Are you okay? But I've been noticing more and more the value of just holding space for each other. And there's like a lot of faith in that expression of just holding space, like taking your seat and being with someone in their pain and not fixing it for them. It's like saying, I trust you to do your work. I'm not going to save you because I trust you. I have faith that you can awaken just like I can. This poem by Alice Walker. One of the most prolific authors of our time, activists, and she's a very committed meditation practitioner. In fact, I think she might have started one of the first sitting groups in the Bay Area a long, long time ago for people of color. Desire. My desire, my desire is always the same. Wherever life deposits me, I want to stick my toe and soon my whole body into the water. I want to shake out a fat broom and sweep dried leaves, bruised blossoms, dead insects, and dust. I want to grow something. It seems impossible that desire can sometimes transform into devotion. But this has happened, and that is how I've survived. How the hole I carefully tended in the garden of my heart grew a heart to fill it. You see, like that illustrated the way faith and energy, effort, persistence just go hand in hand. In the Tibetan Book of the Dead, there it It's often started with, uh, well, it's, there's a phrase. O nobly born, O you of glorious origins, remember your radiant true nature, the essence of mind. Trust it, return to it. It is home. Take that in. And often Jack Cornfield, one of the senior teachers in the tradition that we practice here, he often starts his Dharma talks with something like that, like speaking to people. Oh, nobly born. It's such a sweet way to honor um, and express faith in each other. So, Maybe I'll just stop here and give a few minutes for questions or comments.
But before they, we do that, I'd just like you to close your eyes with me. Just reflect on where you feel inspired, where you notice confidence in your life. What inspires that? What is already within you to be used, to be tapped into? Do you find that faith in yourself? (coughs) Open your eyes whenever you're ready. Let's talk Dharma to each other. I have a microphone. You like that, Tim? Could you read the poem one more time? Oh, sure. Desire. My desire is always the same, wherever life deposits me. I want to stick my toe and soon my whole body into the water. I want to shake out a fat broom and sweep dried leaves, bruised blossoms, dead insects, and dust. I want to grow something. It seems impossible that desire can sometimes transform into devotion. But this has happened, and that is how I've survived. How the hole I carefully tended in the garden of my heart grew a heart to fill it. Grew a heart in the hole. I, um... I feel like I have a lot of resistance to uh, to Dharma, to teachings in some areas, and it manifests um, as you know, signing up for a workshop, and then even though it's on both of my calendars, somehow forgetting that it's happening. That kind of, and then sometimes when I do make it to a teaching or a workshop. Um, it's like I go slightly unconscious. Sometimes I just get really sleepy. And sometimes I am just haven't had enough sleep, but that's not usually it. And I, I wonder how this relates to faith or, or maybe lack of faith. I've sort of realized that getting angry at myself or pushing on me is probably not useful, <laughs> but I'm not sure how else to handle it. Do you think? You asked if if it relates to faith. What do you think? That's my intuition. After kind of being here tonight and listening to this, and kind of coming in and out of being able to hear what you were saying, I suspect that it does. Um, and. And for me, it's probably a lack of faith. I, I used to say I have a lot of faith in the Dharma, just not in my ability to practice it, you know. And that would sort of, when you talked about having faith with the Buddha, 
within, you know, in her own inherent ability to awaken. Um, I thought, yeah, that's right. That's where I lack faith. Um, but but I I don't see any direct connection. In other words, I don't see, oh, well, in order to get beyond or outsmart or move through or past this resistance, then this, I don't have any sense of that whatsoever, which is kind of why I'm asking. Well, a couple things that have worked for me, like sometimes the, this mind is, has a lot of aversion, like fear and anxiety and that flavor. And so it can seem like, like in my delusion, I can think that that's all that's there. And so then I have to go looking for what else is there, right? And, and then I'll notice. It's not that those things, it's not that positive mind states were never there. It's just that they weren't noticed, right? There was this force of, or maybe a force of unpleasantness that felt intense that um, sort of led the mind to be deluded about it. Like, oh, I've been anxious for a long time or something. Or like, I've been anxious all morning. When it's not true, there were moments when there was no anxiety or like happiness or joy or delight even. So it can go looking for moments when faith is there, even in small doses. Like something inspired you to come, and you've been coming for a long time. Oh, yeah. So, so there's, it's not that there's, it can't be that there's no faith or no confidence. Well, you know, sometimes I think I, I've said, I'm persisting on the Vietnam theory that we've lost too many men to back out now. And so, (laughs) you know, there's a certain, (laughs) there's a certain sunk cost in having been here a long time. As you said, both, you know, alive a long time and interested in Buddhism for a long time and even coming to common ground for, you know, a while. Um, so it's hard for me to see that as, Evidence of anything other than perhaps delusion, you know. And say, like, make the moment small and see if you can notice, like, in a very small, very simple, very narrow way, even just in a moment, in like a five minute span or a two minute span, what's going on in the mind. And notice, notice if there's any settledness, if there's any confidence in anything. Like, is there confidence that something is being known? And is that something still there when you ask? So if no, or if the answer is no, if you notice an arising and a passing away of something, then there's there might be some confidence that that, that happened, right? You were there for it. You were awake for it. So feel that. Just pause in that moment and go like, oh, yeah, that just happened. I was here. I know. Yeah. And And just know what that, like, what does that feel like? Not just kind of intellectually, but what does that feel like in the body? Where? What does it feel like? What is it really? What's this experience of confidence? Oh, it's, and notice it's, it's intensity. It might be very weak right now, and that's okay. Like, oh, weak confidence is like this. Just be on the lookout for it as many times as you can. All right. I'll try it. (laughs) Me too. Um, just a comment. Um, I've sensed for a long time that uh, faith is more of something that comes from within the heart, is something that 
is universal to what it is to be human as opposed to uh, being given a doctrine or a story and being told you must believe in this, which is sort of the background I, I come from. But I was I haven't been able to find kind of the right words, so this was helpful for me tonight hearing that uh, in so that I can have a conversation with others about their faith without getting into doctrine and stuff that um, we can talk at a more human level. So um, I appreciate that. Mike, I also grew up, I grew up Christian. My grandfather was a Southern Baptist preacher, so really Christian. <laughs> and my family, my maternal family is still practicing Christians and Conversations with my mom have been hard about Buddhist practice, but I still remember, this is a number of years ago now, but having a conversations about the heart, just in that way, about what's natural. And it was so easy, and it was like about loving kindness and compassion and um, this practical exploration of cause and effect, and it was not scary at all. Yeah. Um, thank you, Shelley. You um, really clarified some things for me tonight about the um, the notion that um, faith arises from suffering, through suffering. I've been experimenting with um, meta a lot, and I can practice it in a frame of mind where, you know, everything is okay. You know, I kind of got my game face on, and I'm Going through the, going through the phrases and it just really seems, the meta seems like really empty chatter and there's, there's no faith in it at all. But I find that if I just stop and, and really feel it, yeah, there really is some pain here. Um, the meta just becomes real and it just, it can move in and there's, there's faith in that at that point. So. That really clarified something for me tonight. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, this was really helpful for me to hear. Um, I'm deeply unskillful with my seven-year-old son. Um, and I've been experiencing it as a lot of despair. The way that I'm mean or unthoughtful or um, judgmental. I'm kind, and I do it all the time, and, um, and a lot of it isn't even external, but I'm doing it in my head, and it's gotten to the point where I just feel a lot of despair about it, and, and I keep noticing it, and it was really useful tonight to hear you talk about the noticing as a faith and, like, continuing to notice it. Um, oh, <laughs> it makes me hopeful that I can get to a place where I'm doing more than just noticing it and acting skillfully with it. And just by talking about it, you're already setting that in motion. And by acknowledging that it's more than you want, but it's not all the time, but it's more than you would like, that came from a place, right, of love for your son. Yeah, and faith in your own capacity to do it. Thank you. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. 
To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.